Good morning, church. We thank you all for being here. We're, we very much are thankful for our visitors' uh, faces we haven't seen in a while. It is, uh, it is a lovely day. Thank you for being with us. <clears throat> Today, we are continuing our study in 1 Corinthians, and there was a very clear spot where I was like, we've got to go to to talk about Thanksgiving. So as uh, you turn to 1 Corinthians, you can go back to the first chapter. And this is scary to the congregation because they don't want to go backwards. They always want to move forward and, and move on to the next thing. But we're moving back. Can we do that this week? Move back and listen to this passage that has been read to us. Because we often think about so many things that we're thankful for. And uh, maybe because of the time of year and the reason that Thanksgiving is given, we're always thankful for God's provisions. He always provides everything we need to survive. But one of the other things as we often think about is we're thankful for family. And today as we look at this lesson, we're thankful in particular for a church family. We're thankful for God's people. And that is how uh, Paul, when he writes this letter to the Corinthians, it's where he goes to very quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. And you can hear and see right there. He says, I thank my God always concerning you. And it's a wonderful thing because he is very grateful as he... He, his whole life was devoted to reaching out to people. And we looked in, at last week, the passage is here. We were in chapter 9, verses 22 through 23. And Paul was saying there, he does everything for the sake of the gospel. He's trying to reach everybody. He, he becomes all things to all people so that all, by all means he might save a few. He wants to save people. He cares about people. He cares about souls. Souls are important to God. So Souls were important to Saul. Souls are important to all of God's people. Every soul is important. And so he worked hard to save some. That's what he did. He worked to save. And so here at the very beginning then, we see Paul giving thanks for those who were saved. The church. The people who are saved. The members of the Lord's church. Those are the ones who are the saints. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. And you think about it as Paul went from place to place and as he's writing this letter, he's writing with people in mind, people that he went to. He went to Corinth. He was the one who went there and first spoke the gospel there. People responded. He was in Corinth. When you go through the book of Acts, he was in Corinth for a couple of years. He knew these people. And he knew that they were saved because they said yes to the message that had been delivered through him. So he was very thankful for the church. And if you go through and you look at some of the other letters, Romans is interesting and, and all, the, all the other letters he's written, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. He writes these letters and he always praises them and thanks them for their faithfulness. And he always then spurs them on to something better. But he often does what is here and he says, I thank my God for you. So it's interesting as we're gathered here today. 
as a group, we're called to assemble in the name of Jesus because of what he's done for us. We remember him every week. We give thanks for him, but we can also give thanks for one another. We're thankful for each other. I am thankful for you. You all are thankful for each other. This is an important part of family, is being thankful and giving thanks for one another. So on the outline here, and there's a bulletin in the back still. If, any, if anybody didn't get it and you want to follow along on the outline, that's fine. Um, I, I, I write, let us join Paul in giving thanks for the church. As we think about today having an attitude of thanksgiving, let's give thanks for one of his great blessings, a great spiritual blessing, the church. Because a lot of people, you know, we can give thanks for families, we can give thanks for food and for our homes, our shelter, but even lost people have those things and they survive and they go through life. But God has blessed us with something special. Spiritual blessing that we have, that we rely upon as we run this race called life, we have each other. So let us join Paul in giving thanks for the church. And number here are some reasons why he was giving thanks. So number one, in Christ Jesus, God's grace, his favor was given to you. Now, when you look around and you see people who are your brothers and sisters in Christ, and you know that there was a day that they were immersed into him and raised up to live a new life, does that fill your heart with joy? When we have baptisms here and, and we, we see somebody come to life in Christ to receive God's favor, to become one of God's chosen ones, to live in him, that is a happy thing. We give thanks that in Jesus Christ, God's favor was given to you. It's a joy to see people saved. And again, I remind you, imagine Paul. His whole life's work was trying to get other people to say yes to Jesus, to follow Jesus. That's all he wanted to do. And when they did, he gave thanks for it. And even years later, he writes a letter to these folks. He says, I give thanks for you because you receive the grace of God that is in Christ Jesus. What a joy to know that others can be favored by God and receive his grace. So number two then, and that was all from just from verse four. Verse four, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. And now verse five. That in everything you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge. And you hear this, I hear this, man, you were made rich. Your whole life became rich. You became rich in all speech and all knowledge. And does anybody here uh, like being a part of a rich family? <laughs> you like being, hey, now you're added to a family, the family of God, and we're all rich. We're rich in Jesus. We're rich in the blessings of Christ. We're rich because we now have this knowledge of what is true and what really matters. We have this purpose that guides us and helps us as we go through this very chaotic life at times, isn't it? It's very tough. It's very bizarre. And here as I speak today, we're 
you know, the whole world is like, what's going to happen next? You know, everything that's happening in the Middle East, it's happening again. And we're all like, what? What could become of this? It could be very bad. World War Three. Boy, it's uh, they talked about it in the 80s, didn't they? When we were growing up, some of us were growing up, I guess, but. And now it's a whole nother, whole nother era of people, a whole nother generation that's like, yeah, I grew up when they were talking about World War III. And I hope that's what it ends up being, just talking about. But the world is in chaos. And here we are gathered today, and we're reminded, yeah, the world's in chaos, but we have got peace in Jesus. That's all that matters. Anybody say amen to that? That's a beautiful thing. It's true. We have peace in Jesus. So let's give thanks for the church because you've received God's grace and his favor. And in Jesus you were made rich in all speech and all knowledge. Our lives have changed. What we know is different. How we talk is better and good. We speak the truth. What a beautiful thing. So I give thanks for the church, for those reasons, just like Paul did. And then number three, he gives thanks for another thing. And it says in verse, verse, number, uh, verse number six, it says, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you. So Paul came to those people and he gave the testimony of Jesus Christ. And he told them who Jesus was and what he could do for them. And when they accepted it, when they believed it, he conf they confirmed that the message was true. They confirmed that the testimony of Jesus Christ was true. It was confirmed in them. That's a beautiful thought is that how we live our lives, and when we say yes to Christ and start living for Him, then that is a testimony that says to others, this message is real. It's true. If God can save me, God can save you. The power of God is at work in His people. This message is real. It's true. It is confirmed. And I think this, this message that is mentioned here, um, and it actually it's kind of this enriching, this all, all these thoughts kind of go together. And so I want to continue to, on to verse number 7. I want to pick up in verse 5 again. He says, That in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift. This all builds upon itself, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here is a mention of gifts. This wonderful, and I think it's the gifts that were confirming the message that was given to them. And I've got to, uh, I've got to note, so Paul, as he wrote to them, he's saying, I'm thankful that, that you guys were saved and that you have these gifts. And those gifts confirm the message. It made everybody know that this was true. Well, here's a little note about this. I think Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthians, was actually speaking about very specific gifts. Miraculous gifts that he talks about later in, in chapters uh, 10 and 12 and, 
He talks about some of these gifts that they had, the, the ability to, uh, they were able, some of them were able to lay their hands on people and heal people. Some of them were able to speak prophetic utterances. They could, they could speak God's truth without any error. Some of them spoke in tongues, some of, and that's probably the one that most people are familiar with. Speaking in tongues, they were able to speak in other languages that they didn't know, that they weren't trained in. They, were, they had these miraculous abilities. And I believe that when Paul was there in Corinth teaching them that he as an apostle of Jesus Christ had laid his hands on him but prayed for them to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in a miraculous way. And they were able to do that. First century church, when the apostles were around, were able to lay their hands on people and give them miraculous gifts. And that was part of what confirmed that the message was real. That was the power. And it's interesting, if you compare this, I'll put this as a little side note. If you compare this to the beginning of chapter Romans chapter 1, it's interesting because there Paul is talking to them and saying, I'm, I thank God for you all, because, and I want to come and give you gifts. They were already believers, but he wanted to come and give them gifts. So it's a message on these miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit is found at the beginning of 1 Corinthians and Romans. You can, if that's interesting to you, you can compare that. And I say all of that now to bring us back to 1 Corinthians. Okay, so I, I mentioned that this idea of gifts in verse number, uh, in verse number 7, you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. Okay, I, I believe that was talking about miraculous gifts. Miraculous powers. Well, how does that pertain to us then? Can we have those miraculous powers? And I would say no. We, we don't have an apostle to come lay their, lay their hand upon us. But do we have any gifts that can confirm the message, the testimony of Jesus? Do we have anything special? Do we have any power that makes us able to show the world that Jesus Christ is truly the Lord? Do we have anything? So read the side note. The side note says their gifts were miraculous gifts of healing, speaking in tongues, prophesying, etc. Those gifts came through the laying on of the apostles' hands, but our gift is a more excellent way. Referring to the end of chapter 12. Our gift is the greatest and the perfect gift. It is love. Love is our superpower. And if there's anything that we should be thankful for is that we share the love of Christ Jesus. And that is what we must do. That is the command of Jesus is to share love for one another, to serve one another. This is our superpower. And I want to remind the congregation of this. We spoke about this a few weeks ago. We've mentioned it a couple times. This is what we must do and be is that we love one another. And I'm thankful for this congregation and the love that is shown. Because I do believe that as we uh, live for Christ and as we follow his ways, we fulfill what was given the command of Jesus in Romans 13. You can turn to Romans 13 verses 34 and 35. 
It's a passage that we should know very well. It's a passage that we should learn and focus on in our lives and in our hearts and in everything that we do. This is the passage that guides us, that always uh, gets all the other commandments on the right task. They all make sense once we get this. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And here is what the church must get done right. We must do well as we must love one another. Because if we don't love one another, the rest of the world is going to look at us and say, eh, I don't think it's real. But if we love one another like Jesus says to love one another, then the world can say, I think there's something there. I think the testimony of Jesus Christ is confirmed in them. They might have disagreements with one another at times, but in love they work through those things and they turn to God's word to find the answer so they can be brought together in love. We don't want... Christianity to be separated into this denomination and that denomination, that is not the way it is supposed to be. Christians should be brought together in love. We should love one another, serve one another, pray for one another, give thanks for one another. That's a beautiful family to be a part of. That's a rich family. I like being a part of a rich family. So I give thanks for you all. Some people have been here for a long time at Garrett Street Church of Christ. I give thanks for you. You were here long before me. I give thanks for you. And wherever you are now, I give thanks for you. And I love you and I love your faithfulness. I love your commitment to Jesus. I love how you serve. I love how you put others first. I love... How you're always so willing to be generous and give to others. I love that there's always the mindset that is put forth by Jesus is that you are servants and you serve other people. So thank you for that. Some of some folks have come in and you're you're newer, and I'm I'm the old person compared to some of you, but I, I am so grateful for the love that is shown with the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus at this place. May we always give thanks for one another. We're reminded of people who've gone on in the past too because I just happened to look up at somebody and saw in my mind another member from long ago who has passed on. But we give thanks for all of those. Everyone who has been committed to Christ Jesus and His work and His church, giving thanks for His people. So, you're not lacking in any gift. And I give thanks for you, to you all because you're not lacking in love. That's our gift. Shall we live according to that gift? Let us follow the love of Christ. All right, number five here, it says, You are eagerly awaiting the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That's pretty easy to do when we're in a mixed up, messed up world. We look forward to the day that Christ will come and take us home to that beautiful place called heaven. I give thanks that I'm a part of a body, a group of people who who look forward to that, who eagerly await that day. And in the meantime, we just keep on working and loving one another and reaching out, following Paul's example, reaching out for the lost because we love them too. Number six, it says, Jesus will make you firm in the end. So let me read verse number eight. It says, talking about Jesus Christ, it says, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. This faithfulness of God is mentioned here. And as we uh, conform our lives to Jesus and as we follow his ways, there is a wonderful work that is done in that we confirm the message of Christ. We make it firm to the end. Jesus helps us be firm in Christ. He's with us all the way. And that message is going to be constantly confirmed in us, the testimony made true, until the day of Christ. The message of Jesus Christ will constantly go forth from us because God is faithful with us. Last week we were talking about running a race. And it's tough. And as we run that race and we run that race faithfully, others are watching us and we're inviting others to join us in that race. And the race is for Jesus. The race is running with Christ. The race is putting aside everything else in this life and running with Him. And as we're running, we're going to win a wreath. As long as we, it's, a, it's this crown, that, that's the wreath that we win. A crown that's placed upon our head that says we were victorious. And I'm thankful to be a part of a group of people who are all running that race. And Jesus is running the race with us. He's the leader. He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's going before us and we're following him. We're running the race with Christ. But there's also this picture of Jesus that that we know that Jesus does more than just kind of run ahead of us and say, come on. He runs beside us. And we have each other to run alongside us. Jesus, at times, he think he, I think he gets behind us and kind of lifts us and pushes us. There are times that he picks us up and he carries us on the way because we're too weak to go on our own. Jesus, he's running the race with us. He's pushing us, pulling us, encouraging us, carrying us. And Jesus is using you all to help push me and carry me and encourage me. And we're all encouraging one another in this race. And I thank God for you. So many people who do so many things to put others first and to let their spirit shine forth the message of Christ and to run the race with endurance. So today we give thanks for all who are running the race with us. There are other churches around about this city and throughout the world that are running the race. Let us give thanks for all of them. Let us encourage one another to the very end. Let us run with Jesus and let us run to win. 
And I thank you for being a part of that race. I give thanks for you. I thank you for being a part of the church, being a part of the family. And if there's anyone here who's not in that race with Jesus, you're not a part of a church family, I want to encourage you to run with us. There is a way to enter into the, you're part of the race, whether you realize it or not. The question is, are you sitting on the sideline watching? Are you active running? And I want to encourage you to run with Jesus because it's the only way to have all the answers. And when you start running with Christ, you will give thanks. You will be so thankful for having meaning and purpose and direction in your life. Run the race with him. Submit to Jesus and run with him and run with us. If anybody wants to give your life to Christ and to run with him and run with us, I encourage you to respond today. We're going to sing song number 689. 689. If you need to respond to this message, you want to give your life to Christ, won't you please come today as we stand together and sing.